Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Nordics region to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Rachel, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the Swedish market. Today, I am joined by Christopher and Jessica from the iGaming sector, and Ali and Katja from the gaming sector to discuss cultures in a gaming studio. Now, before we delve deeper into the topic, what I would like to do is work our way around the room with some introductions. So I would like to know who you are, what you do, and what your biggest passion is currently. So Katja, would you like to kick us off? Absolutely. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. I'm Katja, and I'm representing Red Hill Games, uh, which is headquartered in Finland. Therefore, we're here in the Nordic gaming industry talk. Uh, but I'm myself, I'm based in sunny Cyprus, and uh, that's a small company. We work in co-development and we do video games uh, in PC and console. Currently, we work with Blizzard. And um, if we talk about the biggest passion of mine, that's definitely working with people and uh, connecting them and helping them grow. So that's what I've been doing for about 25 years now. And in the industry, in the gaming industry, I'm for about 10 years now. Amazing. Great introduction. Thank you, Katja. Ali, would you like to go next? Yes, sure. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Ali. I'm a techni- oh, senior technical producer at uh, Star Stable Entertainment, a uh, Stockholm-based company. Uh, we develop uh, a horse game for girls. We've been around for 12 years. And I take care of our uh, central tech at the company because we have our own technology, starting from the engine, editor, scripting language. So basically, my job is the vision and the strategy for delivering those features for internal users and the players. Uh, plus one on uh, Katia, I really enjoy working with people plus technology. Uh, in my free time, I play games or I make games, actually, uh, using different engines to get some inspiration and see where we're at with the technology. That's me, and I'm so happy to be here. Amazing. Thank you, Ali. Jessica, would you like to go next? Of course. Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica. I'm working for Betsson, and uh, I'm working here in Sweden, but our uh, headquarter is in Malta. We are about uh, 2,200 people uh, at the moment, uh, all around the world, and we are getting into new markets. So we are growing all the time, and especially in Sportsbook, and that is super exciting, actually. So uh, I'm working as an HR manager and I'm responsible for Sweden and the Swedish employees. Uh, people have always been my my uh, passion. And uh, like Katja say, I'm always interesting out to help people to know, to grow, to, to get to know themselves and to do their very best and, and develop as person and in the professions. And, and I have also other hobbies, not just people, because I also like to be a little bit by myself sometimes in my spare time. I like to hike a lot, and that is super nice to do when you're on your own. But you can be in a group as well, of course. I also like being outdoor a lot. I like skiing and, and sailing. And I think that's typical Swedish, of course. But uh, that's my passion. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. And finally, Christopher, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Christopher. I work at Gig in a media division. I'm a lead product owner, uh, which means that I spearhead uh, WordPress sites where we work across casinos, uh, sports books, everything, uh, basically for affiliate marketing with the night gaming. Um, I'm based in Copenhagen. Uh, so straight out of Denmark with our headquarters in Malta. 
Um, and I'm really passionate about Scrum, so it's super nerdy, but I'm super passionate about Agile and spending a lot of time on reading uh, the theories and so on. But I'm also a very passionate Liverpool fan in my spare time. Amazing. Although I've got to say, for me personally, Manchester United are the better team, but that's not what this podcast is about, unfortunately. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, a Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So now that we have established a context to each of you, what I would like to do is now move on to the topic in focus. So you all have a question or a statement on culture in a gaming studio. So what I will do is I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Now, each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So today, I would like to start with Ali's question. So Ali, your question was, what is your studio's approach to balancing the creative and the business aspects of game development within its culture? Could you tell me a little bit more about this question, please? Yes, sure. Uh, in, in the gaming industry, we, we, we are a bunch of creative people. Like that's what's the, re- the reason behind all of us working for those uh, studios or doing this job to deliver an experience to the players, uh, engaging in art, technology, gameplay. And sometimes we I go a bit too far like because we start to develop things. We believe it's cool and interesting. At the same time, the company doesn't exist to sell a product and make sure we have a happy customer, which leads to a good revenue and everyone is happy. So why I asked this question, I'm just curious to see how your studios really approach, like how we keep the balance between keep the business aspects strong at the same time, give space to the, uh, uh, for innovation and creativity uh, among the, uh, the teams. And that's why I, I asked this question, because I believe it's a really interesting uh, point to discuss. And I'm pretty sure like it's a of people smiling already because it's something you have been encountering or you've been dealing with um yes yeah because i I think for sure you'd be in any company in a situation where what you're delivering is not what you personally want to have but something that you have to do to fit the business aspect but what we or what what i think we have to do a lot is is base our decision making on on data or something that we can actually so if it ends up being a no or you have to change this up, it's actually based on some data or uh, something that's, uh, so you know, it's not just going to be no because we don't like what you're doing, but it's because it's best for the business right now. So it's most likely data-driven uh, decision-making, which I believe it's a really good way of taking decisions, backing up with data. At least in the situations where it gets uh, not personal, but when it's something that you're very passionate about, it's it's easy to let go when you know there's something based in it. And cultural-wise, it is important to keep the innovation and and uh, movement going in a company. And I'm guessing, especially in, in gaming industry, because it moves so fast. I'd like to share our experience. Um, we started the company making our own game. And uh, obviously, a lot of passion and a lot of creativity was put into it. 
And after three and a half years, it didn't work. So we didn't meet our expectations and we had to shut it down. And of course, the biggest hit was um, on the creative people because that was the baby. They loved and nurtured and grew. Uh, but the business um, decision was still to let it go, shut it down and uh, pivot to a different business model. So there was a lot of uh, back and forth discussions, of course, uh, convincing um, mainly the employees who haven't been involved into the decision making. But of course, everybody saw the results. So what, uh, what game is bringing and how many plays are we having? Um, and at the end, everybody agreed, but it was pretty lengthy process um, discussing why the, 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 the business decision still needs to be taken. Um, and uh, that's, you know, bringing reasons, uh, using data, as Christopher said, and um, um, explaining that, you know, something else might be better and we have to let it go. Did it have an impact on your culture during it? Um, it did. Yeah, of course. In which way? Um, well, some people didn't agree uh, at the end that um, they we still have to sunset the game and uh, they didn't agree with the decision. Um, and so for others, the pivot also didn't work because uh, changing the, um, the business model from working for our own game into working for somebody else's game, although it's a great game and good IPs, but still you cannot really have the creative uh, freedom. Right, so being told well, what's the creative, and then you are executing on that. You can suggest, but still, it's not uh, exactly the same as your own. Um, therefore, um, we settled down in a new format. But at first, there was some turbulence around. Few people decided to to go and uh, do something else, and uh, those who stay, they now believe into the new strategy. So you knew it was going to be a cost. Uh taking a decision that it would affect the culture uh, in in one way or another when changing stuff up? Absolutely. So like whatever you do, any any decision affects the culture, right? You have to anticipate uh, to what extent it will affect. Um, I think we estimated pretty well um, what heat we will be able to take and manage. And so we, we believe that uh, it worked out well for everybody involved. Um, Although it, of course, it was an impact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing, uh, Katya. And this is exactly why I actually asked this question because I believe most of the decisions have been there when they, when we had to sunset some game. Uh, in my personal experience, uh, unfortunately, we had to do that uh, once, and it was we took we took it a bit hard, especially people who was working directly with that IP. But what we did, we took the learning immediately and implemented that in the ongoing IPs, which is doing well. And that's something I really appreciate. Uh, it was expensive, of course, and painful uh, to do this. But uh, when you invest that learning immediately in an ongoing project, this is the best investment you can actually do. And I felt like the studio grew up like at once, all of us, uh, we learned a lot, uh, utilized using the data. Uh, not to fall in love with the product to the, a certain degree where you start you start to miss or you build a game for yourself rather than actually a need or a, or a, a, a certain uh, target. Mm -hmm. I would say and I interpret your question a little bit different uh, because I was looking in the into uh, the aspect as from from an HR point of view as well. So how do you balance in the, the creative uh, and the business aspect now when we are working so much from home? And, and how do we you know, find how we can uh, 
be creative while we are working from home and very isolated and that stuff. So um, I'm can, I can just share what we did because we we um, refurbished our office because we wanted to have a new kind of workplace where people wanted to come into because we knew that we, it will not be like five days per week that that will come after the pandemic. So we understood that this will have this has to change. Um, so um, we refurbished the the, the office and uh, we created a more um, uh, creative uh, environment so people can go there to you know have creative ideas meetings workshops uh, knowledge sharing all that stuff together and then when they come home they can sit on their own to to develop to draw to you know whatever they need to do programming and so on but when you are in the office you should should be inspired of being at the office, meeting your your colleagues, and also, you know, have the the equipment and the environment to be a little bit more creative. Uh, but not only the creative aspect; it's still so important that that uh, we have a goal-oriented uh, organization. So even if we are creative, and even if we have this area and and and, and room for creativity now. Uh, it's always important to follow up uh, on goals for the company, for the team, and individual goals. So to balance that threat, correct? Do you think I have in- interpreted your, your question in another way, Andy? <laughs> no, no, at all, actually. No, no? <laughs> My question was a fluffy uh, and purpose, and this is exactly yeah. what kind of question, like answers, I actually expected from the uh, the question to start with. Uh, this could be a work environment because it's still like uh, being creative. The uh, work environment is a crucial part. Or it could be how you handled uh, a failing projects uh, impacted the um, uh, because it's business against creativity when creativity goes a bit too much and not start like following data and business uh, KPIs. Uh, I can also share how we kind of handle this kind of um, uh, aspects uh, in my company right now, Star Stable, we uh, start introduce something called Passion Weeks. Uh, basically, we have allocated four weeks per year to start with. So we start experimental, like, is it weeks or we should do more Fridays? Right now, we have two weeks and five Fridays. We, we did find this combination is the golden ratio. So we give everyone at the company full week to literally do whatever they want. Like, you can learn a new skill. You can work on a new project. It's really up to you. And... We we had a debate should we have a theme for it like a like a game jam or something we decided not to by doing that we give everyone the ultimate power to do whatever they want and you will be amazed to see how many actually features that in the our game right now came from those weeks and it's it was a good time for everyone to do whatever they want despite the day to day work so that was a really good room like space giving people space to be creative. So it worked really well. A lot of people learned amazing things. I have learned a lot myself. Actually, I did a couple of courses during that time. And we encouraged sharing. So basically, it worked really well. And we also noticed a pattern. People start to do a discovery in the Passion Fridays and start working on their project in the first Passion Week and continue in the second Passion Week. So you end up with really, really nice features and uh, could be like a smaller game or a learning or a a concept of... so that's how we one of one of the like tools we have used to actually keep the right balance between delivering on the business aspect and give room for the creative people to be creative. And so does business react to that? 
um, because you know people are doing something else, not what they're supposed to be doing. I, I I'm gonna be political right now. Actually, just it's hard. Like you, you cannot go to like to to the board or uh, like executive and say, you know what, everyone at the company will be spending a week on something. <laughs> like it's a bit scary. Like I I can even put myself, even though I I, I even me in the leadership right now, I can I can. It sounds scary. What happened? We 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 applied that on production first, but it worked really well. Actually, we then we decided to put it on all departments, even legal business. All all the all departments have the same week to, to implement. How we how we ma- made it more attractive or acceptable by the executives by encouraging sharing. So end of the week, everyone needs to share what they have learned. We 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 make it very like optional, but you need to document what you have learned. That's kind of like, please do that because this learning could be used by someone else and everyone actually following this. So if you don't want to present, that's completely fine, but you need to document what you have learned, what sources. And we also see people learning from those actually documents after. So it's a great knowledge sharing. It's amazing. And the vibes during the week is just beyond, like I cannot even describe. And when we go back to the normal day, you go back, you come back with full of energy. I, I cannot recommend this enough, to be honest. This is this is something, it's a, a secret recipe and it's it pays off. Like you have no idea how important it is having it and how empl- employees felt having during the week. Um, that's been working really well and I believe we're going to keep doing this forever, to be honest. Amazing. Let's rub off on your culture as well that you have time to dive down into the stuff that you don't have time to in in your day-to-day and when you have to kill your babies which there's no doubt it's a painful and brutal process you actually can say something was wrong here but i have a week coming up and i can spend some time in looking at what was wrong yeah 100 percent. and some people i was kind of surprised like i really want to do this in that week it's basically this is a backlog like an item yeah but we never get time to do it it's always being pushed i'm gonna do it okay so some people end up doing actually work never being prioritized but they really want to do it and as a product like as a producer i'm like you know i'm happy but i cannot push for that i I really want that person to do whatever they want but if that's what they want because technical people they don't they want to do cool tech and it happened to be an item in our backlog like i said it's really really beneficial and it pays off like it doesn't matter you will end up either with good ideas features for your game or your employees learning a lot and the atmosphere is different i'm more than happy uh, offline share how we actually doing it the timeline what kind of techniques we're following because we try to make that week looks completely and feels different than the rest of the working things by doing a music put some posters invite speakers from outside of the company uh, and we, we keep learning as we go and improve on the uh, passion week by doing a survey after every passion week asking the employees what they like what could be improved could you measure the 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 way how how your your people look at the the culture how it was before and then after not just for the week but could you feel that like the culture became stronger or 100 percent why mm. i'm gonna answer that immediately because we encourage everyone to work with people they don't usually work with mm. during that last passion week i worked with people four five people actually sick we were a team of six i never worked with anyone uh, any one of these team members before in any meetings because we work on different crafts or different like uh, departments uh, so there was a big benefits like uh, people and because we have also the pulse check every month we can see the trend is going up that means the excitement and it's uh, 
And when you have that frequent, you, you make sure the energy always on a good levels. And for how long have you been doing that? Uh, uh, three to four years. Uh, I need to double check. Wow. Yeah, but we have been doing that for years. Yes, and like I like like I'm saying, we're not gonna stop doing this anytime soon. It's 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 a brilliant. Okay, so obviously you know the business people bought into that. So they, yeah, yeah, they also that, big points. Okay, so they they start to attend the the demo. They start to be sponsoring and supporting. Yeah, but that that was my uh, my question. I would thanks all of you for the uh, amazing uh, answers and the good discussion. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us, Ali. I'd like to move over to Christopher's question next. So Christopher, you asked an interesting question about how can an organization in the iGaming industry particularly maintain a strong corporate culture amidst the ongoing regulatory changes, which frequently necessitate adopting a startup mindset and adapting the entire business framework? Now, to me, this sounds like quite a difficult thing you have to overcome. So can you tell me a little bit more about this question, please, Christopher? Sure. <clears throat> so I, I think uh, this is super specific to the, to what we do, of course, but I don't think it's new to anyone that you're in a situation where regulations or something comes in that changes the entire nature of what you're doing. And, and often it leads to us having to shut down, or not shut down business, but change our focus completely or... We might have an ongoing project somewhere that we have to completely change focus on. And and often it, it kind of wraps up what, what Ali was, was asking before, that you have people super passionate. It might be their baby they're sitting with. And it, this external factor comes in and and just pushes it uh, to somewhere else or to to somewhere we won't focus right now. Uh, and, and obviously it's something that rubs off on, on your nature uh, on, and culture in the company that you have people super passionate or someone who's been working in this for a long time or suddenly you're sitting with piles and piles of work or and you're just getting something else in because now we have to act because it's it's not in six months, it's it's now that we have to be on top of these changes. Super cool question. Actually, I never even imagined this question could exist even though I did work in my previous job in uh automotive uh, industry. So basically, I actually, we had something similar. Uh, they applied one ISO standard to change how we develop softwares forever. It, it, it becomes actually a nightmare, to be honest, at the beginning. Uh, I don't work in the iGaming industry, but uh, I believe a lot of industry, like you said, encounter, uh, especially when you work with the safety critical, they have a lot of legislation or could be data handling. So it's always the same. How we handle that uh, kind of change, which is really big. First of all, education, explaining to people why this legislation or ESA standard is being implemented. It's usually implemented not to only make <laughs> development complicated or, or our life harder. It's, it's there for a reason. Could be a safety, could be, uh, th there's a good reason behind our environment. So there's actually good reason behind the that uh, legislation. Uh, so by understanding that, you accept it a lot more and you feel like, I know why it's there. We need to live with it. So first of all, that was our strategy. So we went to a course, all of us explained the uh, ISO standard affected our uh, development uh, back in the automotive industry. Second, investing in tools make it easier for uh, development to be compliant to whatever, if it's possible. Sometimes it's not, I know. But if it's possible, invest in the tools makes it a bit easier to implement this compliance in steps rather than doing the full development. And now we do the compli compliant phase. This is, this is it, it's a nightmare. Then becomes something everyone would hate. But if you do it in a smaller step during development, so embedding the becoming compliant 
during development, it's a it's a perfect way of being compliant slowly with time. Still, of course, you need to have the compliance check. Uh, it's going to be a lot easier and faster because you have done a lot during, uh, along the way. So this was also one of our strategy to embed this uh, being compliant, starting from requirement as early as possible. And what you in in, in your question, you're actually kind of giving a, a nice answer that actually a good solution actually being a startup mindset because that gives you a lot of agility. So you can move faster if something changes. Uh, and the industry where it came from, change took years. Like I'm pretty sure in your in your case could be like you said months. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to, like, it's a nightmare even to imagine doing that with big teams. I can definitely see see why it's easier actually having uh, smaller teams uh, with a startup mindset. Yeah, uh, as saying, I think it's important to <clears throat> to keep the sizes of the team so, so they can take and adopt on an, an ongoing basis. And I think what you're saying, having a positive mindset on things, because it, it's not there to annoy us, it's there for a reason, it's there to actually make a positive impact. So spinning the positive story of it and making the narrative of why we have to do these things is super important. So so for sure, it's something that we have to do. And then diversifying how we're sitting as well, I think is a big thing. So we're not as vulnerable in these situations. So diversity for us is a major factor in this, making sure that we uh, are not reliant on just one piece right here, but we actually can can be less vulnerable in diversification. I would like to all the build, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, Jessica, if you don't mind, I will go because I'm also not from the same industry. Uh, so my example probably is not exactly about the iGaming, but I wanted to build up on top what Ali was saying. Um, so usually, you know, having a legal background, uh, I kind of know that legislation is not coming out of the blue. So mm-hmm. the more um, the more trends you follow um, and uh, looking about or at the specific regulations in your industry. Uh, the more you can anticipate. Um, as an example, from the um, like actual real casinos, so in some countries they are banned immediately. That gives an opportunities uh, for the um, eye gaming, right? Because eye gaming is uh, regulated differently. Or um, if I remember now, how we were introducing GDPR in the gaming industry, that we thought it's a nightmare. It's impossible to do. You you touch so many personal data of the player. Um, but we had a preparation for about two years. So everybody in the company were learning what we need to do, what we need to share, what uh, information we need to get, and what we can uh, live without. In the past, it was just the legacy. People were sharing it and uh, they shouldn't have. Um, and uh, it gave us lead time to get prepared and afterwards be ready when the legislation was introduced. And of course, afterwards, you also need to stay on top. What are the changes? If it is like pan-European, worldwide, uh, however uh, you can uh, fit in, and uh, then just take it from there. But as Ali was saying, like learning, that's the constant thing for sure, and um, trying to be ahead of the game as well with trends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because if, if you're ahead of the game, one door closes, but a certain amount opens, and you have to jump at the opportunities rather than the closures that you're seeing right now. No, I'm I'm going back to again the, the people. I think it starts with the people again. You have to recruit the right persons to to your your company that uh, is not afraid of changes. Is not afraid that that uh, goals, groups, vision, and mission can change quickly. They have to adapt to it and and think this is interesting. This is what really triggers them. 
So uh, if you want to work in a, a safe environment, a calm environment where everything, where you have a lot of routines, uh, every day is the same. I, I don't think we are ending up with the right people in our industry. So when we are recruiting people, I think it starts from there. We we talk a lot about the personality, uh, what they, they like, how, how, what kind of industry, company they have been working with before, because we want to have that personality with people, that attitude, that everything is doable. And that I will not cry if I, my, my, they, they, you know, uh, kill my baby, kill my darling. So, so I mean, I think it starts in the recruitment. So both uh, hiring managers and of course uh, the recruiters, hiring managers and the team needs to understand what they, we should look for and what kind of personality or what kind of persons that really think this is exciting and, and fun because otherwise they will not like it when they come to our company. They will not like working here. They will think it's, you know, a, a disaster because they want more structure and more like regulations strictly. <laughs> so that's not changing. So um, it starts from there, I would say. And then when it comes to the leadership, they have a huge impact uh, on the teams and, and what happens when, you know, things uh, changes rapidly. And uh, so we need to, to really uh, train our managers in, 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 in all those stuff, in change management. And how can they motivate? How can they uh, inform? We were talking about communication about before, how you communicate when we have a big change coming coming and and we have to you know change too so i think um have strong leaders in this that can show the way and then can encourage people to to go the right way and to do take this path instead and and adapt to, to changes that is really key in this jessica just actually mentioned something quite interesting hmm? uh christopher said that this actually changed how you guys even uh, like setting and the landscape uh, what kind of cross-functional teams you need to have uh, so at least you have uh, uh, all the skills that are needed to react way faster and agile because you have everyone you need to, to make a decision in the, in the team. But Jessica, you mentioned something is actually even educating the recruiters to know what we are looking for. And that that's something, small detail will make a huge impact. And yeah. that's something a lot of companies sadly miss because they always educate the people who are directly affected by this, but then not the rest. Like in our game, we're COPA compliant. Means that we, because we're shipping game for uh, plus uh, like say, like seven, uh, like young age. So we have even different GDPR uh, uh, there. So we had a, a course for everyone at the company, despite your craft. Because when you, when you, uh, when you put the ad outside and you do interviews, you need to make sure that that person can contribute on being able to work when it's COPA compliant or GDPR or whatever. So that's actually a really good point. I like that. Make sure to educate everyone needs to be educated with most likely maybe everyone actually. Yeah. And it's part of uh, recruiting for a culture as well, making sure that it fits within the culture. Cause I think it's, it's the same both for your question and my question, Ali, that no matter what you have to have a team around you that supports you and, and knows exactly what you need in the current situation. So. You might have to kill your babies or you might be sitting with changes or something, but having a team around you and a strong culture. So it's it's for sure hiring for the culture as well, making sure that you nurture what you have. And also Jessica mentioned the magic words change management. 
right? That's always hard. So all the like natural inclination of every individual is to resist change as much as possible. And if you are trained to do that, that also such a huge impact to your culture. So that's uh, absolutely like mandatory for everyone to know how to, you know, approach, how to react, how to help others to, to cope with the change. So that's absolutely important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, thank you for answering my question and, and helping out because uh, to us, it's an everyday thing now that we have to be uh, changing up and be agile, extremely agile. Amazing. Thank you for your question, Christopher. I would now like to move on to Jessica's question. So Jessica, you wanted to ask the group, how do you create a sense of belonging in a hybrid work environment? So tell me a little bit more about this question, please, Jessica. Yes, sure. Um, so uh, I think most of us work in a kind of hybrid uh, model and we are not in the office every day. And that means also that we, when, when we have new starters, uh, they will come to an office if there is no people. How can we create belonging with them? And how can we go ahead with um, being those amazing team and create the culture if people don't meet, if they don't see each other, if they don't know who, who the persons are, the new recruiters also. And I mean, we recruited a lot of people during the pandemic. And uh, uh, I think when we came back to the office, some of the days people were amazed how many faces they have never seen before. <laughs> so so I think um, it's it's harder to, to create that belonging when you are working, when you're not in the office every day and see each other every day. Uh, so I was a, a little bit curious how you deal with this, not just the new starters, but also to, to you know, encourage uh, employees overall to, to, you know, feel the belonging and, and, and feel that they are a part of a, a company uh, and the culture. We, I, I really, I, like I said, all of us actually, we, we, we do hybrid as well now. Uh, first of all, if companies are listening, please don't make it mandatory to come to the office. That, that's the worst thing you can do, like make uh, some days kind of mandatory, make the office attractive enough so people can go there uh, instead. And still, in some cases, we have people working uh, in different cities in, in Sweden or even outside of the country. Uh, we try our best for the new hires to make the onboarding as much as possible on site during the uh, onboarding. This is one of the techniques we're, we're doing. Uh, during the COVID, it was like... Uh, Everyone was like fully working from home. We did uh, a lot of events using uh, self toys. I don't, I don't want to do any commercials, but it was like basically walk around and you talk to people uh, virtually, but using your mic. That was actually a good way to interact with people. Uh, but still, you build relationship with people, but not the uh, working uh, environment. But I believe this is a, a, as important because when you Working environment is not only the set of chairs and desks or whatever. It's basically the people there. Uh, we are enforcing to have um, all meetings actually supporting hybrid. And when we do a celebration, we make sure we have that celebration uh, projected to people working remote, even though it's like usually in the kitchen or some in this kind of areas. Uh, and lastly, lastly, we also have the FICAS, which is... Uh, if you're not from Sweden, uh, it's where basically we have a break. Uh, it's an excuse to not work. We do it every day. <laughs> it's basically a coffee and something you have uh, with a coffee and you chat with your colleagues. So we have those fika, uh, e fika, and you can do it 
hybrid as well. By doing that, that was that was a huge factor because a lot of good ideas actually came from those side discussions. Uh, and when we removed that and people are not working at the office, we, we lost that factor where people sitting by the coffee machine and having a great bouncing ideas, then something will spawn. And you, if you do only uh, remote meetings, you don't have that space anymore to have this kind of discussions. But why, when having this uh, e-coffee or with any kind of like uh, team day or hour or they can play games and chat so that th this is some of the techniques we're following to keep the uh working hybrid as attractive as possible mm -hmm. so you have people i mean employees in other cities than stockholm yes and we have even different countries but we make sure to uh, invite them when it's workshops and we do that even when people working outside of uh, sweden so we invite when it's celebrations big delivery or a team uh, workshop, we, we make sure everyone is on site. Mm. At least like once or, yeah, you go first. Yeah, sorry, um, I, I think you mentioning like every company now has to to support hybrids, or at least that's something you have to look into, but it, it's an easy thing to offer and it's a thing that you have to offer now, but I, I think it's important for any company doing it, knowing the impact it's gonna have and how much you have to put into it, because there is plenty of tools out there that we now can use and it just cannot be neglected that you can easily lose someone behind sitting behind the screen because no matter how we turn it, we spend more time with our colleagues than we do with our families, even though it's online on the screen all day. So it's it's a super important thing. We work across countries as well. And, and being online is just so different to being next to each other, being able to take that one cup of coffee over to another table and solve five problems within two minutes rather than texting back and forth and so on. So... I, I, to me, I think it's a lot about breaking down the walls, not making everything so formal, drop the emails, do a Slack instead, uh, drop the mega organization ways of doing stuff because then it does feel like you're disconnected. Uh, so connecting people together, using the tools that's out there, it's a, it's a very important thing, uh, at least in my perspective. I agree. You're saying it actually, it's a sensitive topic. I know some people will be upset, but like there is no way you can replace face-to-face Work. No. To be honest, no. like some people, no, I agree. Will, I agree. some people promoting like remote work is the ultimate solution. Uh, like Christopher said, yes, you can, you can easy to offer. You, uh, you attract uh, talents without worrying about the visa, relocating. There's a lot of factors, a lot easier. At the same time, companies don't take into consideration how this impact and change our ways of working, because right now. Uh, when everyone is working on the same space, it's enough maybe to say s some sentence. Everyone will hear it. Right now, this needs to be in a place accessible by everyone. Otherwise, pieces of information will be vanishing. And if you have this in uh, private, uh, so we, we, we try to make our conversation as public as possible in the Jira ticket or in Slack. So this is definitely impact with the working and the company needs to be aware what they have signed up for. So yeah. I don't believe, especially if you work in the creative industry, having mm -hmm. people meet face-to-face it's uh, super valuable. And that's why we start to see uh, giant tech companies in the US, they start to actually, uh, but they, they, they went a bit too aggressive and they said, yeah, there's no no working from home anymore. I still don't agree with that. I feel like having the option is amazing, even if someone lives in the uh, same city or country, but uh, enforcing a hybrid uh, with, the, with the right tools is essential. Mm. And I think also, uh, as an employer, you also have a responsibility for for people, for employees. And if they, you know, not feeling good, if they are, you know, uh, 
they can say, um, this is a super HR perspective, but this is something we need to take in consideration because if they're sitting home, they don't use the camera, uh, maybe they are sitting there in their pajamas, they are drinking. You can't tell if people feel bad or not. That's why it's good to, to be forced a bit to come to the office and actually, you know, uh, get the shower, dressed up and meet people. Uh, it's it's more, um, it, it, it could be um, a bit difficult to, to to see the signs if if a person doesn't feel good. Yeah, because what Ali is saying is that it, it's it's important not to force people back, but to make it attractive to come to the office once in a while. The invitations to the large events and so on actually makes a difference that it's not a forceful event, but it's something that you, you're more invited to do and it's, it's a positive thing to come. Yeah, it's also a big cultural shift because like back in the time, we're all used to go to the office, right? Pre-pandemic, there were not so many uh, companies which were offering remote work for those, especially in the same, let's say, a city, right? Of course, there were international companies always when people are located in different countries. And normally those different offices would have been working on different small projects. Uh, but now we are more interconnected, all of us, and um, still there is a tendency that, you know, the things were easier when you can see people face-to-face, then you can give feedback face-to-face and see the reaction right away. Because however people react over screen, you don't really feel as much. And uh, this is one of our fears, uh, how that, in case we go really hybrid, how it's going to affect the, um, the culture and the sense of belonging, as you are saying. Exactly. So, like, you know, to make sure that people feel that they are still part of the same culture, that's, um, yeah, to me personally and to us as a company, that's the biggest, the biggest question still. So I don't have a good answer for you. Um, and a few things I wanted to share. When pandemic started, we were all in the office and we thought we will have to stop game development because we never knew it's possible to do everything remote. We managed, we lost a little bit of the productivity in a few couple of months, but afterwards we built like new ways of communicating with each other. Um, we started doing like virtual coffees and we still continue with them, although we are mainly back to the office uh, with, with all the people. Um, and um, like doing virtual book clubs and things we would usually, you know, save time on. Uh, but just introducing more of those things to make sure people still talk one way or another. Um, it was forced at first, and we were demanding people to share cameras. Like, you are on call, share your camera. Yes, dress up, you know, do your makeup, you know, wash your hair, and now show your face. And at first, people were resisting, you know, telling us that, you know, you are in, uh, like intruding my privacy. I don't want to share a camera with you. And then again, education, explaining why it's good, why people still need to show the face. Um, again, we are not as hybrid as uh, you are, uh, but those uh, like little things still exist. Mm -hmm. I, I just add, add to that, yeah. I mean, I don't need to worry about washing my hair. Like, I guess, audience, they, don't, they will know if they see my photo, but... Uh, Working remotely, it's something new to 90% of the companies. I know some companies, they have been doing this uh, for a while, but majority of the companies, they're doing this for the first time. So basically, we are we have two to three years of experience in doing remote. That's it. It's still like a new ways of working, and it changed the human behavior in, during meetings. 
by raising hands before talking. Before that, we were just like talk over each other, like in a, like a good manner, just like engaging. So change how we engage. It changed like if you turn off your camera and you see a joke or something, you don't know if someone is actually laughing or someone is like upset. So we need to develop a new tools to make sure people who don't use camera or work fully remote, they are feeling okay. And that's why we started with the pulses and with like uh, uh, working closer with the craft managers, how that person feels, uh, inviting the office as much as possible. If like in some cases it's a bit difficult, but if it's possible, at least once every quarter. Uh, but like I said, this is the new ways of working for majority of the companies, and we're still exploring it. Mm. I, I, I really agree. And, and to cr- create a company culture, a strong culture and belonging, I think you need to see each other. I don't believe that 100% remote is the way forward. I think people need people. <laughs> so, um, and, and also, uh, but how do we do this in a way that people you know, feel like they are not forced to 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 do something like they should be like motivated and this should be fun and all that stuff so i think that's where our thoughts came up where we should refurbish the, the office we should do something so it's nice to be here and you know create uh, some some uh, activities like every monday we have um uh, luxury breakfast as we call it and uh, wednesdays we have freshly squeezed juice and, and so on and Friday we have a fika, of course, uh, with some uh, nice things too, and uh, some after work. And then in in between there, we also do bigger uh, like events or activities, just to get people again on board and and you know talk about us better as a company and 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 feel like they belong to uh, something else than just their their computer and and their screen at home. So we are a bigger company and we have like all hands meeting in the office and so on. We want people to be there. So I, I think it's important to understand that you are more than just your own island. You are a part of something bigger. And um, and and uh, this is the culture and this is how we want to uh, have it. Um, but um, of course, and if people want to work 100% remote, maybe they are not for us. Maybe not. Because we still, as you said, Ali, I, I we believe in, in meeting people, in the interaction and so on. And since we have different countries, we also travel between the countries and, and to meet up and, and have workshops and create meetings. And uh, uh, that's what people like. Yeah, I really like how your company approaching making the work environment attractive. And this is how all companies should do it. Give, give a reason for employees to show up every day, if possible. I just want to, uh, before we end up with the uh, the question to uh, the hybrid environment, I have noticed something quite interesting, actually, uh, by observing the behavior or comments from my colleagues. They start to work on site with certain tasks and work remote with some different kind of tasks. So you start to see some people prefer to do this kind of uh, task, prefer like a, a kind of focus home for some people or vice versa. So you can start see actually some people performing even better because they have this hybrid option. Exactly. So when, when when your job uh, requires collaboration and back and forth of discussion, they usually go to the office. When they know exactly what needs to be done, it's quite complex and they just want to focus. They you decide to work from home. And that's why I believe the hybrid model is quite interesting. But I don't believe we are really utilizing to the maximum. We still, like I said, still new. We just need to make sure what kind of tasks works the best on site what, what kind of task actually works the best remote and do our best to mix our ways of working around at model. Mm. 
And can I add to that, Alia, that we, um, you should always take in consideration what kind of roles does this work for? It's not for all roles or teams or, you know, uh, areas, domains or wherever we call them. Maybe some of the, the uh, teams and roles needs to be on site. And uh, we are talking about a lot about developers, programming, more, more that stuff. That, that works pretty well to work from home once in a while, uh, but not perhaps for all uh, roles. Yeah, because I think one aspect that we haven't touched upon is hybrid is for sure great. Uh, and it's something that we all have to engage in, as I is saying, it's pretty new. We're still in a massive learning curve, but it does end up requiring a lot of people to do immense amount of traveling because you will have to fly on site because you're most likely not working in the country always. And and it's a CO2 footprint that many companies don't want to put on right away. So so it's a major mismatch. So you want to have a hybrid. You want to be uh, allow uh, employees to be wherever they want to be in the world. But on the other hand, you cannot really fly them in every other day because it's not what you want to do as a company and put that footprint on stuff. So. Uh, I, I think that's a major part of this as well, figuring out how far do you want to take this and, and what do you want to allow? And do you want to allow full uh, remote work just because you don't want the traveling to happen? And so I think that's going to be a big part of, of these discussions in the future. Amazing. Well, thank you, Jessica, for your question. I'd like to move on to um, Katja's question now, which is quite similar, Katja. So you wanted to ask how to ensure that the culture doesn't suffer from people going remote. Now, in your context, in your company, would you like to give some context to this question, please? Yeah, so as I said, we are not as hybrid as uh, all of you. Um, so uh, when we started the company five years ago, uh, we were office-based, absolutely. And that was the concept. So we do develop game on site. Although we started immediately with two offices, one in Finland and one in Cyprus. And Cyprus was always remote. Right, so we were traveling to Finland to meet with people and uh, um, to to have FaceTime and afterwards going back and to do whatever we were doing. Um, but over time, and obviously now, there is quite a big request from many candidates who want to join to be remote. And for us, the initial reaction is always like, "No, it's not going to work." It has some legal implications because possibly that's a difficult country and some it's what well, we wouldn't want to have a legal entity there. Of course, there are ways to employ them or engage them into um, like individual internship and some like different uh, settings and be done. But still, there is always a question. How can they have like creative discussions like a designer sitting in the middle of nowhere leading the design team somewhere else? how they are going to communicate, will the creative um, inspiration fly around, how easy it is to do it in Zoom. And also the existing culture, which thankfully, like, I don't know, like we need to thank uh, COVID for that. We experience this remote work. So it's not a completely new thing, Um, but still we believe that, you know, face-to-face has so much value uh, that we, we are afraid to lose it if more people will be remote. So for now, um, I would say we have maybe 20% of the employees who are somewhat remote, um, either in different country or in a smaller office like myself. Um, but like talking to the candidates, many are asking to be remote. So my question is, 
like you have a culture or you used to have a culture right before pandemic let's say because this is when it's all started and uh, how did you make sure that all of the best cultural features still remained and didn't go away because that's our main fear that uh, we will lose the um our uniqueness and our creativity and our like sense of belonging as well but jessica you were talking previously so we are not allowing to like most of the employees to go remote or hybrid of course like you can work from home one day it's it's not the same i know uh, at least uh, i think every company has this concern of how are you gonna have any belonging uh, how are the culture gonna survive if we're gonna do this but again uh, to me, I think it's a matter of, as a company, it's a mid- massive factor to to implement that. It's such a gift to give to employees, but you have to know how big of a, a job it is to maintain and to make sure that everyone does feel involved in the culture is nurtured uh, and, and utilize what you have on hand to make sure that you can make things ends meet in, in every way. Because um, it is a way to make personal and, and, and uh, professional life meet and, and have both ends come together in an easier way. I think for companies, I think we are also afraid that that if we don't let people, you know, work remote or uh, do as they want, we will lose them or anything. So we are a little bit afraid to to put up demands and and set requirements how we want it in our in our company. Uh, and maybe, like I said before, if you have a for us, if we have a person who wants to work 100% remote in another country, in another city in Sweden or whatever, uh, that person will probably not be not for, for Betson. Uh, so I think we still need to, to keep to our values, to keep to the culture we have and, and not, you know, press it too much because uh, this is what we believe in. This is the persons, the people we want in our company. And... Um, so we had to search for them. Then we have to search a little bit longer, perhaps. Well, you know, find, yeah. Finding the right match for the culture, that's absolutely yes. yeah, crucial. Exactly. It is interesting how much you're willing to actually even like, yeah, okay, you're not, you're not, if you want to work fully remote, you're not for our company, which is I completely respect that. I believe it's it's a valid concern that the culture will change and it will, like it will, but maybe it will change for the better. Like maybe that person would, will, will, remote will bring a new perspective because it's someone from different culture, from different background, with different expertise. Working remote uh, allow a lot of companies to hire people. I don't believe they would be hiring if it's still the, the normal or traditional process. Uh, it's really important to make sure during the uh, interview to put a lot of emphasis on the culture fit uh, as much as possible or explaining what, what the values that the company is, has. This is super important. So I would say the process for hiring full remote should be, it shouldn't be the same as hiring on site. No way. Like it needs to be different. And the company need to be willing to know the culture will change, but hopefully for the better. Uh, and they should do their best not to that culture change for the worse, of course. Um, but still like, I feel it's a very valid concern and it's a question we are asking ourselves every day, uh, but it's still working for us so far because uh, we're doing our best hiring the right fit, even though they are full remote. Make sure those uh, individuals contributing to the culture, uh, like any different uh, people who's working on site, by make make sure their channels always available for everyone to raise their voice, have their opinion. So make sure everyone contributing to the culture is the best way. 
to maintain the culture, in my opinion. Yeah, and for sure, also uh, nurturing that speaking face to face. You may not sound as harsh as you would do on a quick message that you send, because you don't see the facial expressions, you don't see all these other things that's happening, the gestures and so on. So I think it's super important that as a company that you nurture that uh, the length that you have to go to to of acceptance is gonna change up, and you gotta be aware what can evolve out of no uh, nothing, because because it was just meant in one way or that smiley was meant completely differently and it was misunderstood right away uh, so i think it's super important as a company that you you know what you you're going into with hybrid or fully remote and that you are aware uh, what you have to deal with because it's going to change up the culture and it's going to change how you work and i think we're still learning right as you said ali this has been going on now for the last the last three years and we are and before that we were always working on site in the office there was yeah, can I can I work from home this day because I will have a delivery or something? But otherwise, we were working mostly of us, hundred uh, percent at the office. And now we are trying to adapt in a very short time. Okay, so how will we do now? What will be our uh, routine for this? What will be the policy for it? Uh, how should we act and react on 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 things? And so I think we're still learning and we're still, you know, uh, try try out different ways forward. Uh, and I think it's um, refreshing, actually, to <laughs> that something new came into our working work life, and um, and you have to balance it up, right, in in your companies and see how is this in combination with the with the values we have, with the culture we have built before. Do we need to change anything, or will we go strictly as it was before? Or you know, I think we we are trying out a lot. It's, it's interesting. So in the past, we had this uh, privilege and the benefit to work from home occasionally. And now potentially we need to shift it around and have like, you know, you have a benefit of coming to the office on those days. So it's not, you know, your day-to-day uh, usual work, but that that's a privilege. Um, possibly, yeah, well, values are, of course, very important and interviewing for culture, for, for the remote um, employees, it's uh, even more important than for those who are coming into the office daily and, you know, absorbing the culture uh, from the colleagues. Um, although, yeah, it's it's hard to make the first, well, not the first step, even, but make it noise a routine that it doesn't matter where you are based, like if you are somewhere 10 hours away, it will still work the same way. Um, if maybe, but like the gut feeling says, most likely not. It's funny you're saying it because we have sure seeing it in interviews now with, with candidates uh, at GIC that we used to hear it, uh, do you offer hybrid uh, or fully remote? And now we can candidates say, could we come to the office? Do you have an office environment? Is there people there we can speak to? <laughs> be like, yeah, there's. And so, so this it's actually starting to be like, yes, I can go to an office as well. So it is a benefit to have an office for sure. Mm, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, I think we've all had a wonderful conversation there. And thank you, Kasia, for your question. Unfortunately, our time is up today. So before we end the podcast, what I would like to do is just say thank you so much to all of our guests for sharing their amazing questions, insights and thoughts on these topics. So they have been Ali, Senior Technical Producer at Star Stable Entertainment, Katya, Chief Operating Officer at Red Hill Games, 
Christopher, Lead Product Owner at Gaming Innovation Group, and Jessica, HR and Office Manager at Betson. Now, if you would like to participate in a future podcast, or if you would like to discuss how maybe we can help you find the perfect next addition to your team, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, I would like to say thank you so much to all of our guests and thank you for those listening. We hope that you can join us next time.